Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, here we go. I want to dive in. We're going to pause on our Vintage Faith series, and I want to preach a one-time message that has been stirring in my heart for several weeks now uh, about multiply, go back to our word of the year for the house, and then at the end of this message, um, uh, some of you may have cheated, and people like from the earlier service might have told you on the way out, and so you may, you may have gotten the news already, but, but we're about to, at the end of this service, I'm going to release an announcement that, uh, you know, sometimes like God will speak to you and you don't even know what all it means, right? And so God spoke to us at the beginning of the year and he gave us that word, that multiply word, and we thought we knew a little bit of what it meant and we had, we had no idea. Uh, but, but it's not surprising because we serve a God, according to the book of Ephesians, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. So we couldn't imagine this when we started out, but it's just like our God to take something and take it to the next level. So we're going to release a pretty exciting announcement. Deuteronomy 1.11, Deuteronomy 1.11. So at all of our locations, Davidson, Adalton Teen Challenge, Concord, if you're watching online at the beach, we're mad at you. But we love you, and we hope you have a good week of vacation. But come on, don't let any other location outdo you. Concord, let's lead the way. Let's read together. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he promised. Y'all, that's a good word. Because multiply is in you. God created you with multiply. Adam and Eve, it was the first blessing that he released upon humanity after God created created Adam and Eve, and he said, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And every time, every time God renewed the covenant, he would speak multiply over his people. That happened with Abraham. It happened with Moses. It happened in the New Testament, in the early church. Read it. The early church multiplied. And so, and so you have you have multiply in you, but what you don't have in you is that are the changes necessary to access multiply. And so what happens, what happens is we get stuck in multiply possibilities, but if we're not willing to make the changes necessary to access the possibilities, then we, then we ended, and end up uh, looking at things like Moses did, like he climbed the mountain and he saw the promised land from a distance, but because he wasn't willing to make a change, because he, listen to this, because Moses was not willing to make a change and throw down the staff and speak. This happened at Meribah in the book of Numbers. All through his life, God had used something in, the, in, in, in Moses' life. It was the staff. He picked up the staff. The staff turned into the snake. He went into Pharaoh's court. He, he, the staff was used to do miracles. The staff was blessed. The staff was an instrument to be used by God. But it was an instrument to u- be used by God for a season. Now watch this. If you're still using something in your life that the anointing of God has moved on from, there are methods of ministry. Hear me. I don't know where this is. Co- I know where it's coming from. This was 
wasn't in my notes and I didn't preach it in the first two services. There are methods of ministry that the Spirit moves on from. And if the Spirit has moved on from a method of ministry and we're still clinging to a past method and the Spirit has moved on from that. And so God, when they were in, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, the first time they were without water and God said, take what's in your hand, take that staff. And he said, strike the rock. And so Moses struck the rock and waters flowed out of the rock. The second time when they were in Meribah, same situation, they were without the water. And God said this, hey, Moses, take the staff with you, but you can't use it. Sometimes God will allow you to have something with you, but he won't allow you to use the thing because it's relying on a past method and God never wants you to rely on a method. He wants you to rely on listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so God had the audacity to say, Moses, I want you to speak. I want you to speak. And he had, I say audacity because if you know anything about Moses, that was his weakness. That was the reason he didn't want to get into ministry in the first place. And God has the audacity to use your, not your strength, but he has the audacity to use your weakness. He'll use your stuttering for his glory. He'll use your scars for his glory. He'll use the area in your life that you thought was a failure and he'll turn it around and use it for your glory, for his glory. And here's what happened is that Moses says, I don't want to stutter in front of all of these people. And he wasn't willing to step into a new method. And so he struck the rock with the old method and water came out, but Moses never entered into the promised land. If you can't move on from methods of ministry, and if you reach back and still you try to use something that God had anointed 10, 20, even one year ago, but the Spirit of the Lord has moved on from that method, you won't enter into the promised land. That's a hard word, Doug. Well, it gets better from here. So here we go. Here we go. We have to, listen, multiply is in you, but you have to make the decision to make the changes necessary to step into that multiply. So Luke chapter 19, it's a great story. I love that Jesus tells stories because it speaks to me. I love a good story. Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 11, the crowd was listening to everything that Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. Do you know that the only reason Jesus hasn't returned for his, his church is that he is waiting on more of his lost kids to give their hearts and lives to him? That's it. That's it. I love the other stuff, y'all, but we can do the other stuff in heaven. I love worship. I could have gone on in worship. I love, I love prayer. We're going to have our final for the season, 6 o'clock prayer uh, meeting right here in Concord and in Davidson. So don't miss that. Come out early. Start your summer off right. Then we'll pause for the summer and we'll kick it back up in September. But I love prayer. I love discipleship. I love digging into God's word and learning more about him. But do you know that all of those things we'll be doing in heaven? Here's the one thing that we won't be doing in heaven is witnessing to people who don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so the reason that Jesus is delaying his comeback is so that more people can find life, find family, find freedom, and find purpose in him. He said a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and to return. And before he left, he called together 10 of his servants and divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me when I'm gone. But the people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him to be our king. And after he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. 
He wanted to find out what their profits were. And the first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Lord, I received that over my 401k. Let's go. 10 times every year. None of this forward and back stuff. Let's go. Let's just keep multiplying. Well done, verse 17, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You've been faithful with what little I entrusted you, and so you will become, watch this, governor over the ten cities as your reward. I know it's silver, but I'm going to use gold for a little alliteration, so follow me. Gold is tied to governance in the kingdom of God. What that means is that if you want an increase of kingdom authority and kingdom leadership, it will never go beyond your level of generosity. The tithe is not the end of discipleship. It's the lowest level. And so if you want kingdom authority, Authority to be released in your life, if you want kingdom increase in your area of leadership and ministry and influence, then you need to increase your generosity, gold and governance, both of those things. God says, if I can trust you with $10, then I can trust you with my people. But if I can't trust you, if you're holding on to the, if you're holding on to your paycheck, how am I going to trust you to hold on to real spiritual things? That's what he says in the book of Luke. And so the next servant reported, Master, I invested, I invested your money and made five times, not quite as good as 10, but I'll take five forward over eight backward. Come on. And, and so he said, well done. You will be governor over five cities. And I got to tell you that sometimes, sometimes I wish that stories in the Bible, sometimes I wish they would just stop. I, I do like, like here's a good, here's a great place. Like everybody's happy. Everybody got a reward. Thomas the train has made it. The little engine that could is at the top of the mountain. The prince has got the princess. It's happily ever after. Like Jesus, great bedtime story. Can't we just shut the book and tuck in in the covers and like, couldn't we just end there? Like, but Jesus, Jesus keeps going. He keeps pushing on this on this story. Kind of like some of you will take uh, some of you will take a road trip this summer with your family, and, and it'll look something like this, that you will be, you'll be making good time. And, and, and then somebody in the back will voice their need to use, to use the restroom. And, and then you'll have somebody else that will voice a desire to fill their bellies with some food. And you're like, we just, we like, we lit, we ate 10 hours ago, can't you? We like, we gotta, because, because the dads know the dads know that it's not just about reaching your destination. It's about reaching your destination in a certain time period. And if you made it in eight hours and 17 minutes last time, then you got to beat that time. Eight hours and 15 minutes this time. And dads, you know, you, know, you know that an exit, it's not time. No, you're not making a shopping list. You're not checking out. You're not, no, we're not going into, no, we are not going into Target. This is a pit stop. This is a pit stop. And so everybody has an assignment. You use the restroom. You get the food. You put gas in the vehicle. And I'm timing you because kids, we're going to have fun. This is vacation, and all of you will have fun. We're going to get there, and we're going to get there in record time. And so you're, you're making, you've got this destination, but you got all this, and you're pushing it, right? You're pushing it. You know, you know that we need a bathroom break. You know that people need to eat. You know, like, and there's a good exit. There's a good exit. It's got coffee on that exit. It's got, it's got one of those gas stations where, where, where the restrooms are clean on that exit. It's got several good restaurants like right there on that exit. But you keep, you keep pushing it and you keep going because, because, well, you just passed two people. 
And if you get off the exit now, the people that you just passed will pass you. And you cannot have that. So you keep going. And there was a great, there was a fine exit. It was a really good exit. And then five miles down the road, 10 miles down the road, when people were really complaining, you're like, ah, there's no more exits for a while. You say something like this, I wish I would have, I wish I would have stopped. And can I be real honest, this doesn't sound real spiritual, but Jesus, I wish you would have stopped. Because the story was doing real good right there, but Jesus keeps going. There's a third servant. Why has there got to be a third servant? But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money. And he said, Master, there was a church in Concord, North Carolina that was started almost 61 years ago. And... And I was scared, so I, so I just kept it safe. And I didn't change anything. And, and we're singing the same th songs, and we're doing ministry the same way that we've always done it. And we have the same number of locations, and we're not growing, and we're not expanding. Hey, but Jesus, we, we kept what you gave it. We kept it safe. And Jesus says in verse 22, he doesn't say, oh, guys, you tried, or oh, good job, you're still saved. You hang on. Jesus says, you he says in verse 22, you wicked servant. I don't remember this in, in Sunday school. I don't remember felt bored Jesus saying to me as a six-year-old, hey, you're wicked, you wicked sir. Like, I don't remember that story, right? But like Jesus, this is Jesus saying these words. I know I changed it a little, but church, I think I was pretty true to the text. But the third servant that brought back the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid it and I kept it safe and I was afraid because you're a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops that I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then turning to others standing nearby, the king ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. But master, they said he already has 10 pounds. Yeah, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. Here's what I'm discovering about the kingdom of God. Multiply in the kingdom of God is not an option. It's not an option to grow. It's not an option to move forward. Jesus doesn't say, oh, if you just hold on to what you have, it's going to be okay. I mean, I'd prefer that you change. I'd prefer that you do new things. And can I be honest with you? I don't always like change. Sometimes I like what I like. Sometimes the spirit of rascal flats come all over me. Sometimes I miss Mayberry. Sitting on the porch, drinking ice cold cherry Coke when everything was black and white. Na 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 na. Sometimes, like sometimes, like I want to go back to the good old days. And, and and I watched this week. I flipped on an episode of Andy Griffith, and it was like. Just sometimes I don't always appreciate the culture that we live in. And yet here's what I know, that we are alive in 2019. You're alive in 2019. This church is called to minister. In 2019, we might not always like our culture or where it's headed, but we're called to step into it and shift atmospheres for the kingdom of heaven. And so we have calling and multiplying purpose and destiny on our lives. We're under CFA. We are under, I declare over us that we are under a multi, multiply mandate from heaven. Growth is not an option, but here's, 
You say, I'm with you, Pastor. Yeah, I'll lose you. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to lose you, but it's going to be tough. Because watch this. How do we activate this multiply? We activate multiply through obedience. Obedience activates multiply, but obedience requires change. Obedience requires change. So what that, what that looks like is this. I'm, we're believing for increase. We're believing for more. We're believing for kingdom authority. I'm with you, pastor. But that requires obedience. I'm kind of with you, pastor. And obedience requires change. You lost me, pastor. Okay, uh, since, since I said that, I'm going to keep pushing a little bit more. So here, here's what that looks like. There's 144,000 uh, people that don't know Jesus in Cabarrus County and another, another 100,000 in Davidson that don't know Jesus. Let's go win them all to Jesus. I'm with you, Pastor. Let's give through Kingdom Builders, two-bucket giving, slight correction there, the tithe and the Kingdom Builders. And so it was great job, but just or your tithe is your tithe, and that goes to for the ministries of the church, and then kingdom builders goes to above and beyond the tithe, goes to those areas of future Christian leaders and overseas missions and local church expansions, but hey, let's do whatever. It's all for Jesus. It's all activating there, and so let's give a million dollars to missions. Man, I'm with you, pastor. Let's win souls. I'm with you, pastor. Let's give to missions. I'm with you, with you, pastor. Hey, could we change the flow of our parking and our parking lot so we can accommodate those new people? that we're talking about. I'm out, Pastor. As the uh, nervous laughter ripples through the room and as the, my parking lot people say amen because I about got run over in the parking lot. Here's what happens. Can I just be real honest? Sometimes we're all open to big vision from heaven until it comes down to making small changes for us. And here's what God has the audacity to do. Do you know that God will make you and force you to make small changes in your life sometimes just to annoy you and remind you that it didn't about you to begin with. I probably didn't say that as nice as Jesus would said it, say it, but isn't that the truth? Sometimes God, what God has for you, but watch this. He has increased authority and leadership and all of this wonderful stuff on the other side. But he's saying, are you willing to make the changes necessary to access it? Can I preach to you about the myth of maintain? The myth of maintain. Um, so my buddy posted this on Facebook several years ago, and it was it was his. He called it his maintain program, and uh, so this is this is what he wrote. He said um, he said I've got a 40 day program that I'm selling called maintain. <laughs> you keep eating like you always have, and pairing that with the same amount of physical activity, very consistent results. I need 55 people to give me $40 a month to make diamond level. How many of you are in for like maintain, maintain pastor? That doesn't sound too bad. But do you know that myth, that, that maintain is a myth? Like, like you can't, physio, uh, physiologically, there is no such thing. The way that God created matter, you can't maintain. Your matter is either advancing or decreasing. And so if God created the universe like that physically, then he created you like that spiritually. You can't, you cannot see. Here's what the enemy will do. Hey, just maintain spiritually. Maintain your devotional level. Maintain your spiritual. Maintain your prayer level. It's a myth. You're either in the kingdom of God. You're either taking more territory or you're surrendering more territory to the enemy. And if you think you're maintaining, you're not. You're, the enemy's gaining a foothold. He's pressing back against you, but that's not what's in you. Multiply is in you. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against an advancing church. 
church. And so this is the force that God puts us, uh, uh, puts in us. There's no such thing. It doesn't even exist. Maintain doesn't even exist. So we got to keep going. Can I preach? Can I preach this real quick to a graduating high school senior? Because my heart breaks every year about this time of year. And I watched it. I've watched it happen for 20 years. I've watched it happen for 10 years as a youth pastor. Is that there's a senior who graduates that during the summer and entering into college, they just try to maybe maintain or coast in their relationship with God. And they may not say it out loud, but the thoughts look something like this. Uh, well, during my, junior year, during my junior year, Pastor, that's when I was like kind of all in. And I, I went on breakaway and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I went on a missions trip and, and I stood at an altar and God used me to pray for somebody. And I saw, the mir- I saw miracles happen uh, before my eyes. But, but I did that. That was, that was older stuff. And so I'm just going to, I've earned this. And I'm just going to kind of coast in my relationship with Jesus Christ. High school senior, can I tell you, if you are coasting in your relationship with Jesus, you'll be on that college campus one week and you'll be lonely on a Friday night and the knock will come at your door and somebody will invite you to a party which you ought not be at and if you are not absolutely on fire passionately in love with Jesus Christ there is no such thing as maintain there's no such thing as coasting either you're advancing either you're a missionary or a mission field either you're winning people to Jesus or people are pushing back against you and so I want to encourage you stay on fire for Jesus never lose that passion never lose that passion what God talks about in the book of Revelation, right? I wish that you were either hot or cold, but don't, no, none of this lukewarm. None of this lukewarm. Lukewarm is the most dangerous thing that a church can be. It's the most dangerous thing that a, that a person can be. So obedience activates, multiply. Obedience requires change. Faith activates, multiply, but faith requires risk. Faith, see, it's not getting any easier, is it? There's a uh, there's, a, there's maps that they came out with in the early days of the explorers. I think these are, these are pretty interesting. So um, this, was, this was like in the days of uh, Magellan and Cortez and Columbus and, and Vespucci and all of those remember when you were in fifth grade and you had the matching and, and you got to draw the line from what did Magellan discover and what did Cortez discover and all the, you know, the, the history class and the explorers. Well, they had, they had maps at that time about the known world and the unknown world. And, and so the maps, as we, as we kind of zoom in here, here's what's interesting on these maps. So like this was a map of the area of Scandinavia and here's what you knew. So like here was your village and you knew your village and here's that road and you know the road. And, 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 but do you see what they put where the unknown is? Do you see what they put? Like, like this is unknown. They're, like basically they're putting sea monsters in the area of unknown. Like they got dragons in the area of unknown. They got, they got these, these huge whale looking things that are devouring ships. And, and this isn't just a picture in the 1500s. You know what this is? This is a picture of your mind. It's a picture of your mind. So here's what God will say. God says, I've got more for you. I've got blessing for you. I've got increase for you. And here's what the enemy does is the enemy then will paint a little dragon in your mind. Don't step out in faith. Don't change anything. Don't take a risk. And he will try to use, the enemy will try to use fear to keep you in your comfort zone, to keep doing the same things, to keep in the same routine, to keep all of that the same because the enemy knows what kind of blood 
blessing. They never would have discovered some of the greatest lands that God created if they would have succumbed to the fear in their minds. I love the story of uh, this story of Alexander the Great. So Alexander the Great, once he conquered all of the known world at that time, he's like, I'm going to start conquering the unknown. And his soldiers got really mad at him because there were maps of the known, but there weren't any maps for the unknown. So here's what his soldiers had to do. They had to swing a machete and draw a map and swing a machete and draw a map. And sometimes that's what your life of faith looks like. It looks like I know that God has called me here, but I don't, there's no road there. There's no path there. There's no, there, somebody hasn't gone before me. So spiritually, you got to swing a machete and draw a map and swing a machete and draw a map. But here's what you can know by faith that the Holy Spirit has already gone ahead of you. And just because you don't have a map doesn't mean that he doesn't have a map. God's got the map. This is a word for somebody. God's got your map. He knows where you're going. And just because nobody else has pressed on and gone that way before doesn't mean you may be the first. You you may have a pioneer spirit in you, and I release that pioneer spirit in you. I release that to go forward to what God has for you. So April the 26th, God started something in this journey that I can only describe as, well, kind of like that. Swing the machete and draw a map. And, and um, this wasn't in the vision plan for the year. It wasn't, it wasn't in, the, in our timeline for the church. It wasn't, we, we hadn't talked about this as a, as a staff and the board meetings we hadn't, but, but God started a story of multiply that I want you to, well, I want you to hear this story um, on this video. Take a look at what God has been up to. Center City Church and the vision of loving God and neighbors started in mine and Dara's heart when we were living in Florida. We had this dream in our heart of a genuine place that people could come in and experience the beauty of God in the context of community. We felt like there was something new that God had for the city of Charlotte, and that new thing became Center City Church. I distinctly remember at the very beginning days of our church, that a lot of us who are wired to start new things want to start something on our own. But I felt like even coming to a city that was unfamiliar for me, that I needed to be a part of a family. That family was so simple for me to reach out to Pastor Rick Ross at Concord First Assembly. CFA has been a part of our family for over 30 years as Dara's mom and dad have been a part of this church family, going all the way back to her granddaddy, have been a part of this church for decades. I remember meeting with Rick five times, and I said to him every time, I don't want anything from you. I'm not asking you for money. I just need to be a part of a family. I need a pastor. On the fifth time, Pastor Rick, exasperated with me, finally said to me, all right, Dukeson, you didn't ask for anything, but we're gonna give you some money. We're gonna help you start this church. And not only that, we wanna help you by letting our board be your board, and we're gonna oversee your finances, and we wanna welcome you into the family of CFA churches. When you're ready to move out, and it's time for you guys to go off and be autonomous, so be it. But until that time, we're gonna be your covering, and we're gonna be your family. At this point, 10 years later, Center City Church has sent out over 40 missionaries across the world. If you were to visit Center City Church on a Sunday morning, you would see a diverse community of people who are exploring matters of faith. 
from people who just don't believe all the way to people who have been following Jesus for decades. You'd see different racial backgrounds, economic backgrounds, all worshiping one God. Throughout our entire journey, I've always had this commitment to Center City Church, but I've also told our church family, as long as I can remember, this is God's church. And I think it's the role of every leader and every pastor to know the different seasons. Over the last several months, my wife and I have been prayerfully considering what does God have for us? And we've always chosen Center City Church over and over and over again. I flew down to Florida for a meeting. I arrived pretty late at night. It was one in the morning. And I remember just praying and I said to the Lord, God, I'll do Center City Church for the rest of my life. I'm not looking to go anywhere. It's the healthiest it's ever been. But I want you to know that also my life is in your hands and I hold this vision with an open hand. Whatever you want to do with Center City Church is what I want. As I was praying that prayer, one name came to my mind. It was John Hernandez. John's a longtime friend of mine. He's a pastor here locally, about a half hour away from Center City Church. Almost immediately in my spirit, I felt something shift. And I felt like the Lord put on my heart that John might be the next pastor at Center City Church. The next morning, I called my wife as I was on my way to my meeting. And I said, Dara, I was praying last night and John's name came to my mind. And immediately, she said, absolutely. And it was in that moment that we knew that it was time to go on an adventure. So it was April 26th, a Friday evening. I had just finished up teaching a week at Trinity Bible College in the upper Midwest and was on a plane um, coming back to Charlotte. As the plane began to land in Charlotte and I was looking out over the city and saw the city skyline, I experienced something that I'd experienced for other parts of North Carolina but never for Charlotte. In that moment, I really felt like God started to break my heart for the city of Charlotte. I, I'd experienced that for Cabarrus County, I'd experienced that for Davidson, and, and always had an affinity for Charlotte, but never had a burden for Charlotte. But it was in that moment that God began to stir something in my heart. After I landed, I hopped in the shuttle, went to the parking deck, got in my truck, was driving up I-85 on my way home, and just kind of felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit to text David Dukeson. Knew it wasn't a good time. By this time, it was 9.44 p.m. David had just finished graduating, but I just couldn't get away from it for whatever reason. And so, uh, well, let me read you the text conversation that came about. Landed in Charlotte from teaching at Trinity this week. Driving home, I know it's late and you're probably having fun with your family, but I have a ridiculous question for you, especially to ask by text. To which he responded, ha ha ha. And I said, would you ever be interested in a CFA campus partnership relationship again? Open to anything, would have lots to think through, but if you feel something from the spirit to explore the conversation, I trust you enough to honestly and genuinely explore. This keeps coming to my heart over the past six or eight months. When I landed in Charlotte, I began to feel something different towards the city that I don't think I've ever felt before. Would love to have a conversation. Maybe when you get back, enjoy your time and celebrate. So proud of you. Love you lots. To which he responded, feels like the equivalent of getting asked out on a date via checkbox, yes or no, in 1992. 
So David and I continued to text that weekend. We were both headed down to Southeastern University for some meetings the next week. We were in the boardroom meetings. David and I were sitting side by side as we often do in those meetings, second row back, and um, we're listening. And uh, I remember that at that moment, David, uh, on his journal, on the bottom right-hand corner, jotted down a name and slid it over to me. The name simply said, John Hernandez, question mark. You gotta know this about John. John and I have been friends for 15 years, more than friends. We've done ministry side by side for 15 years. John has came after me and taken things to the next level over the, over the last 15 years. He followed me at CFA as youth pastor and then as district youth director. He's been my lead associate since I stepped into this position as the lead pastor here at CFA Church. And yet with all of my uh, affinity for John and wanting him to stay in his current seat, when David slid that notebook over to me, something looked down at that name and thought, yeah, that's, that's it, that's it. That would be an amazing fit. We wrapped up our meetings and David and I had set aside some time after that before his flight back to Charlotte. So we went over to Portico Coffee Shop there at Southeastern University and we sat down and we just began to share and kind of unpack uh, our hearts a little bit. It was, it was amazing how how the Spirit of God just began to kind of line things up and, and bring things together. It was, it was a fantastic conversation. And David got up and, and had to go to the airport. I remember writing down in my journal, something significant just happened. I didn't know exactly what, but I knew that was a moment that something, something had just taken place. When Pastor Doug returned from Southeastern, our first conversation was actually uh, on a Sunday morning. We were both uh, taking the shuttle from our parking to the lobby. And the first thing out of his mouth was, Hey John, so when I landed in Charlotte, God broke my heart for the city. And I know for some that may be maybe a flippant statement, but working 15 years alongside Dr. Doug Witherup, what I knew was that whenever God broke his heart, I mean, everything changes. It's one of the things I admire about him is that when God speaks, there's a reckless abandon to, to what it is that God is saying. So I knew things were gonna change and I, my response to him was, well, does that mean I get another portfolio? Kind of half joking, half not. <laughs> he nervously smiled at me and said, well, we need to talk. So later on that day, uh, we had a conversation all about what God had been doing in his heart, in David's heart, the, my name uh, in the journal, this incredible story that had unfolded over the last several days and how he felt like God had my name in the middle of it all. I knew that we would have to meet and that was exactly what the next step was. We got together right here actually in our interrobang room and began this conversation trying to figure out what it was that God was saying. Now here's the truth, I've been in a lot of meetings. I've been in meetings with both Doug and David and I know David's heart for Center City and I know Doug's heart for CFA. I was actually a little anxious about what this meant and how these two things would come together. But that's when I began to see the miraculous hand of God as he began to shift and mold both of these incredible hearts into one heart. And oddly enough, I found myself and my wife and our family in the middle of it all.
after our meeting together, David took us on a tour of the west side of Charlotte. We began to see all the incredible things that God was doing through the influence of Center City. We parked the car at the Movement Center, and before we got out, both of these men of God put their hand on my shoulder, and we began to pray that God would reveal to not just me, but to all of us, exactly what He was doing. It's as if God had this whole thing planned and gave us access to the playbook. We were just simply reading the pages. Fast forward to today, and there's one thing that's obvious. God is working miraculously to prepare Center City, CFA Church, and my wife and I for this next season of ministry as we embark on this new adventure. Can we just celebrate and thank God for what he's doing through Pastor John and Jess? And I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is all over their family. They had their service down at Center City. He and Pastor David kind of preached together, and uh, they showed that same video down there. I got a text from Pastor David. He said, we just had church. Like, God, God is... God is doing something that's amazing and, and miraculous. And so let me give you a couple of details. I want to tell you one story and pray for you before we're dismissed. A couple of details. So next week, Pastor John is going to, uh, he's going to preach. He's going to preach the full message down there at Center City on June the 9th. And then on June the 16th, and pray for this. We're believing that, that it's going to be affirmative, but we just want to seal that in prayer that there is a congregational vote at Center City Church. And that's part of their constitution and bylaws. We want to do everything, of course, decently and in order. And then this is how cool God is because in the kingdom, when you give, you don't lose, you receive. So listen to this. We're not losing Pastor John and Jess. We're gaining another part of the family. So Center City Church, our old language was campuses. We're making a shift strategically. We are now calling this the CFA family of churches. You say, what's the difference? I believe it is part of an apostolic apostolic network that God wants to reignite some of the giftings of the book of Ephesians. The apostolic again. Let's tap into the apostolic again. Let's tap into the prophetic again. The evangelistic again. The shepherding and the teaching and let's release movements and new forms of ecclesia new forms of church that will flip the iceberg and allow us to reach people that have never set foot inside of a church building before that are lost, that are far from God, that are dying I believe that God is going to use this. So our CFA family of churches now, God, Concord, Espanol, Davidson, and we welcome back Center City Church. We want to step into alignment and agree, agree with this, these prayers. Let me, let me tell you one more story. In the late 1800s, there was a, a young man by the name of C.T. Studd. He, his life was before him. I mean, this, this kid had everything. He was kind of like a combination of Zion Williamson and Bill Gates' kid. And what I mean by that is like he had it athletically and the family name and the finances. So it wasn't the NBA and the UK, it was cricket, but this kid would pack out stadiums. So he was like, uh, you know, the athlete, the icon. He was the Michael Jordan of the day. He was, he was that kind of an athlete. And, and over here, he could have stepped into business or probably, probably ran for office or, or stepped into governance or something like that because he had that kind of finances. But instead, God had a missionary calling on his life. And he said, I don't want any of that. I want to go to Africa and reach people for Jesus. So he stepped out in faith and went to the Congo, began to preach the gospel 
to the unreached people groups in the Congo. And it was about that time that in America and other places that they were beginning to discovering gold. And that was a few decades before in the U.S. And, and, and well, this was happening even in Africa. And they discovered gold in the Congo. And, and I want to read this journal entry from C.T. Studd. I believe it speaks prophetically to us today. He wrote, last June, at the mouth of the Congo, there awaited a thousand prospectors, traders, merchants, and gold seekers waiting to rush these regions as soon as the government opened the door to them for rumor declared that there is an abundance of gold. If such men hear so loudly the call of gold and obey it, can it be that the ears of Christ's soldiers are deaf to the call of God? Are gamblers for gold so many and the gamblers for God so few? The gamblers of gold are many, but where are the gamblers for God? And I just wonder if the Holy Spirit isn't asking us that question. Who will take a step of faith? Who will step out? Who will risk? Who will be willing to risk your comfort zone, your reputation, your finances? What if the greatest blessing of your life is on the other side of the fear that the enemy is trying to come against you with but on the other side of that what if there are multitudes of people saying yes to Jesus what if there's revival on the other side what if there's renewal for our nation what if there's another prophetic and apostolic movement what if there's an evangelistic movement that would sweep our nation once again if the people yep. of God will be willing to say we will leave the comfort of the known we will be willing to leave the comfort of our past and if it means seeing people one to Jesus then I say yes to you Jesus every time before I even know what the question is yes to you Jesus yes to you Jesus yes to you Jesus a thousand times over my business isn't mine my family isn't mine my ministry isn't mine my style isn't mine the songs are mine yes to you Jesus and so with heads bowed and eyes closed. I didn't do this at the first two services, but I just feel like if you are willing to step into that and just to give God your yes, would you just stand to your feet in this moment of saying, that's me, God. I'm willing to risk. I give you my future. I give you the unknown. I give you the places in my life where I don't even have it all together. I'm, I'm a little bit insecure. The enemy's got some dragons in my mind. There's a thousand reasons why I shouldn't take this step of faith, but yes, yes, to you Jesus yes in every season it was yes last season and it'll be yet yes next season but right now I say yes to you all over again all over again yes Jesus change whatever you want me to change I'll risk whatever you want me to risk I'll step out Lord God With heads bowed and eyes closed maybe the change and the risk that you need to take today is surrendering your heart and life fully to Jesus. Maybe you've been coming to CFA for a while and you've been like tuned in to what God is saying to you, but you, you've been fearful of, well, what will my life look like if I take that final step and surrender it to Jesus? This is your morning. 
this is your moment. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, if you want to say, I'm all in, I'm not holding back, I want to give my life and my heart to Jesus, on the count of three, I just want you to take your hand and place it over your heart, and we're going to pray this prayer all together. One, two, three. Somebody's just given their life to Jesus right now. Just place your hand over your heart. Come on, church family. Let's pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I surrender all. I surrender my life. I surrender my past. I surrender my present, and I surrender my future. My life is not my own. I give it all to you. So speak to me. Call me to ministry. Do whatever you want with me. It's all yours, Jesus. Come on, will you just take a moment, lift a hand to heaven and say, it's all yours, Jesus. I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Jesus, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. We give it to you, Lord. We give it to you, Lord Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those who said yes to a life of faith in Christ today? Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.